International Broadcasting lives on 5085. The big one. WTWW. Please stand by as we get ready to launch another episode of this Reality Radio Cafe Cast with your host and my husband, Denny J, K5DCC. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition, lift off. Now grab your glass and get ready to fill it up with some radio on the rocks. Vehicles pitching downrange. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Digicom Cafe for another episode of Radio on the Rocks for Tuesday, February 25th. 2020. My name is Denny J, K5 Delta Charlie Charlie or K5 Digicom Cafe. Today's feature is an interview with YouTuber Bob K6 UDA, whom I ran into on DStar 30 Charlie yesterday morning and asked him if he would be willing to be my guest. So yesterday afternoon we did this interview with him and want to share it with you today. Don't go away, I'll be right back. Here in the Digicom Cafe Communications Network, we are all about the power of voice. Did you know that you could listen to my Cafe Cast by simply asking Alexa to play Radio on the Rocks? And that you could maneuver your way around my Cafe Cast library by simply saying next or previous? I created this Amazon skill using a free and easy platform called VoiceFlow, where you just build your skill block by block, no coding necessary. If you'd like to build your amateur radio skill, go to voiceflow.com. That's voiceflow.com. Hello, Robert. Denny J here in the Digicom Cafe. Denny, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Man, we just had a great experience with the uh, ISS, with a school of kids asking questions of the astronauts up on the space station. That was pretty cool. Oh, that is awesome. Have you ever listened in? Well, actually, I did a couple of years ago. I heard one. They had made a contact uh, with a local school, and so... We uh, simulcast it on our local uh, repeater. Very cool. So, I was surprised yeah. how strong the signal comes in. You you don't need anything but a HT and a whip to pick it up really clear. Really? I use my big beam. Uh, well, my big beam. I use my homebrew uh, Yagi that I built out of PVC pipe and stuff like that, and I didn't even need it. I came in the house, and I was uh, putting on my little whip antenna. I could hear it plain as day in the house even, so it was pretty neat. Wow. Nice. So anyway, um, welcome to the Digicom Cafe, and thank you for putting out such great videos. I shared with you earlier that oh, I, thank you. I watched your video on the D74, and that uh, that kind of helped me make a decision. Uh-huh. Great radio. Love that radio. I guess you sound really good on D-Star on it, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you could tell when you're on a D74, you could pretty much tell who's on ICOM radios and who's on another D74. Because the D74s actually have, uh, they have a fuller, richer sound. And it sounds like they do the uh, encoding with some, uh, what do they call it, the digital processing on front end and back yes. end. Yes, they do. That's awesome. They do. Yeah. Well, I'll be getting mine on Wednesday, so uh, stand by. I'll be giving you a call on D-Star. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Beautiful. You'll enjoy it. You, you will, you'll really enjoy that thing. A lot of people know you. Uh, they've seen your videos. You've been doing YouTube videos for about three years now. How many episodes have you got? Uh, I don't know. I think it's probably about 160 or so. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, It takes about 30 about 30 hours a week to put one 10-minute video together. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, you are very committed. You kind of have to be. I mean, it's uh, YouTube is not a forgiving platform. 
Yeah. If you don't do it right, you, you know, you spend all the same amount of time and you'll get, uh, you know, you'll get 50 or a hundred views. Man, do you even have any time to do any ham radio? You know, I, it gets harder and harder. Uh, you have to make time to actually go out and play with ham radio. But luckily what I do is I try to incorporate a lot of the playing on ham radio into my videos. Mm -hmm. When I decided I wanted to learn about satellites, uh, I, I got the satellite antenna and I said, okay, I'm going to make a video and I want to talk about satellites. And I did. Um, and uh, you know, and I made my first contact and it, you know, and I put it on video. So there was no denying it. Mm -hmm. Wow. How long did it take to start building up a larger audience? I am one of the small guys. Oh, yeah. Ham Radio Concepts and Ham Radio Crash Course. Those are the big guys. Dave Kassler, he's one of the big guys. The three of them have been doing it for, you know, 10 years apiece. I'm a relative newcomer. Randy K7AGE also, you know, these guys have been doing this for years and they've built up an audience and, you know, they're into the 50, 60,000 subscribers. Wow. I wanted to come in. I, when I came into the space, it was kind of one of these things. Those guys are smart. And, you know, like, like Dave Kassler and, and Randy, um, you know, extremely smart guys. They know this craft really well. They know the, the ham radio stuff really, really well. Me, I'm an average guy. I'm a non I what I call a non-technical ham. I have no engineering background, no, uh, no big IT guy. I mean, I was a street cop for my, uh, my entire career. So I come into this, you know, with that novice kind of sense of, uh, of wonderment at the whole radio thing. And I don't understand some of those back end issues. And I try to teach myself and I try to impart that same kind of logic in my videos and the same kind of explanation. If I could explain it to me, I can explain it to the guy who wants to get in, who's not a who's not an engineer and not a technical guy. Mm -hmm. Well, they are very easy to understand, and I followed some of your videos on how to set up a Pi Star, getting out on DMR, things like that. You did a very good job of that. Well, thank you. This is this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I always thought about doing the podcast thing, kind of more like a freeform radio show, but. I run out of things to say very quickly. I have to stop and think about what I'm saying so I don't open my mouth and <laughs> insert my foot. <laughs> and I do that all the time. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, when I did this, I figured I needed to do something different. I, I needed to have, I guess you call it a different shtick, mm -hmm. and I wanted to go after a different crowd. I can't compete with uh, I can't compete with a Dave Kassler. I can't compete with with uh, uh, Nasi and Ham Radio Crash Course because these guys have they've got such a breadth of knowledge about the radio craft, about all kinds of things, technical things that I don't have that I don't have that knowledge. But I figured if I could make things entertaining for guys that are just getting in, if I could make it fun and make it very relatable, just, you know, I, I didn't want to show ham radio as a, I don't want to say stuffy, but as a, uh, a prim and proper, very smart kind of a hobby, because while there are very smart people in the hobby, I think the uh, ham radio itself is for, it should be for everybody and it should be for anybody and it should be easy to understand, not hard. Yep. Well put. So tell us your story. How did you get into ham radio? Well, I originally got into ham radio uh, 
uh, kind of on a back end thing. I knew about ham radio. My uncle, uh, my uncle Fred W7LQL, he uh, he was a ham well before I was born. And uh, growing up, I remember having seeing him talking on a two meter rig that was the entire trunk of his car. And I was always intrigued by that. But I let it go, and I went on with life. And then uh, years ago when I started drag racing, and I got into that very heavily uh, and started doing it professionally, had my own team, I needed to have radio communications. And so I had to get a commercial radio license and while studying for all that and doing all that stuff, I, uh, I rediscovered ham radio and tested, got my license, and uh, started learning, got involved with my local uh, ham radio club, and, uh, and I got, uh, let's see, they asked for a volunteer, the president of the club at the time, who was a great Elmer of mine, uh, Al Martin, and, and NITU. The guy called me one night and says, hey, can you help out? You said you, you were willing to help out. I said, yeah, sure. What do you need me to do, sweep the floors or do <laughs> stuff after the meeting? He's all, no, I need you to be president. No, oh, boy. <laughs> I knew nothing about ham radio. I had been a ham for all of about, you know, five minutes, I think. And, uh, and they, so they, they made me the president. And I guess that's something that, you know, you, you take all the new guys and you make them president before they know anything about the club and mm-hmm. the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really learned a lot about the people and, and I, I just, it kind of grew legs. I went, I got my general and then my extra, you know, ver- fairly quickly after that. And it's just been a, uh, a continual process and then you know then getting into the videos um it just became a natural progression of things for me so how long ago was it that you got your first license uh, i got my first license in 2000 what was it 2011 i'm looking at my license now. oh okay not that long ago no, no, I'm a relatively new ham. Okay, so at this point, uh, what are you, general, extra? I'm an extra. Okay, how did you study? Uh, let's see, for the tech and the general, I got an iPhone uh, program on there, and I studied on the iPhone. took me about a week for each test to, to study up. And the extra... I took uh, the Gordon West tapes, I put them on my phone, and I was driving around. I was a patrol officer for years and years, and I, uh, I was driving around, and instead of listening to, uh, to talk radio or something on the, you know, something in the car, I was listening to Gordon West for about a month, and then I went and took my test. Cool. I used the uh, ham test online. I studied for 76 hours for that extra class. <laughs> Man, that was work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've i got my wife right now studying uh, on ham test online. Okay. Well, she will and, love uh, that. And she's studying for hers. Good. Yeah. So you're sitting, I can tell you're sitting in your shack chair. What are you looking at? What's your station? <laughs> <laughs> My station is a uh, is an Elecraft K3S with a P3, uh, the 500 watt amp, the uh, the Cat 500 tuner. Eh, let's see, and uh, and the speaker on on the one end of it. I have a Wires X node that is RF uh, controlled from my repeater, which is a couple of miles down the road, and. Uh, and I have a uh, a Yesu FTM 400 sitting here, set up right now. I took the uh, the ID 5100 is uh, is sitting in the corner as well as my uh, uh, my IC 7100, which uh, I blew a final. So that's got to get sent off and fixed. Hmm. 
So it sounds like you uh, are interested in all aspects of ham radio then. You mentioned satellites earlier. You're into fusion. I know you're into D-Star uh, sideband. Mm-hmm. What is your go-to mode? What What do you really love? Uh, you know, it kind of depends. Before propagation took a took a hit, and uh, and my my area here, you know, we've got so much RF noise. I've got an S eight noise level all the time on forty meters. I up until a couple of years ago was a fairly big contester. I really enjoyed uh, working uh, HF and sideband which was my, that was kind of my go-to mode. Now I'm, uh, I'm working a lot of FT8 uh, early mornings, working gray line stuff on FT8, 40 and 80 meters. I love DXing um, on 80 meters. That to me is like the biggest thrill. Hmm. And then, uh, and then playing on, uh, playing on fusion on our local repeater and I'm, uh, I've been helping to, to design a, like a, a regional kind of a network that we're all, uh, there's four or five different repeaters that are all connected. So no matter where you drive in the county that I live in, you can tune into, uh, tune into one of the repeaters and you can talk to everybody in the area. And that's a WireZX system? That's a WireZX-based system, yeah. So that way you link them together using uh, software versus hardware direct linking to repeaters. Yeah. Each, uh, each repeater has an RF-controlled uh, node for it, and each one of those nodes are tuned into the, uh, to the YouTuber's room on WireZX. And I've also built a gateway with an FCS room to YouTubers, and uh, and I took an old open spot, reprogrammed it, and put it online here, and so that triggers. So the FCS side gets into YouTubers also. So we've had guys, including myself, when I went to Quartzsite this year, uh, we were all on our open spots talking, you know, from Quartzsite, Arizona, back home here, uh, via our room and out on our local repeater. Cool. And the YouTubers, I'm assuming, are a lot of the guys that are doing what you're doing on YouTube, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, The YouTubers room is something that I created under Wires X. Hmm. Another experimentation thing. I do, I love to experiment with this hobby. I, I love to kind of tinker with it and see what, what is what. And I break things all the time, <laughs> um, but I but I have a great time at it, and it and it's something that I put together. Number one, when I was trying to learn the whole wires X thing, and number two, I put it together to be a place where you know where people can go and they can make contacts with whatever YouTubers want to jump on that room, and you know. They can host their own nets. They can do whatever they want to do. Um, the the net thing kind of died off fairly quickly because I didn't want to run it all the time. Right. But uh, but I had a great time starting it up. We're using it now uh, it, it just kind of as a general general room and a place where all of our regional repeaters are gathering. So I could connect to it using my hotspot going to an FCS room? You can. Uh, FCS 003, room 48, will connect you to YouTubers, which will also get you back into the Wires X side. Okay. Well, we're also members of the QSO America group. I don't know if you've heard of them. That's uh, also on 003. Uh, 454 is the room. They just uh, got that one set up here a month or so ago. But a bunch of okay. those guys are uh, truckers, and they, they love using Fusion with their hotspots and stuff, talking to one another. And also they oh, have yeah. an All-Star note. Have you ever gotten into All-Star? You know, I've got a bunch of friends who have All-Star. Uh, my local club, we just set up an All-Star node that's, that's kind of part-time hooked up to uh, our two-meter box. 
I haven't really played with it much. I kind of, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things. The uh, the spirit hasn't hasn't hit me yet, so I'm sure it will at some point. Uh, sometimes I'm a late bloomer on things. <clears throat> I rec- I just recently got into the whole fusion thing. I've been using D Star for close to ten years now, and uh, and, and uh, you know, just in the last year, discovered fusion. So what's your favorite, Fusion or D-Star? You know, it's kind of hard to say. I I love D-Star because I know how to do it. I know what I'm doing. But I, I love the concept of Fusion because it's so easy and I can explain it to people and get people on the air in a matter of minutes. And they don't have to go through a registration Right. They don't have to do. They don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops, right? Like they do with D Star. D Star tends to confuse people. Yeah, it confused me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know, having the eight digit or yeah, the eight digit uh, uh, linking codes and and you know, changing rooms and or I mean, changing reflectors and doing all that stuff. It gets very technical on the radio side programming your radio. Where Fusion, you know, I could tell people, you know what, put it on 146.52 and hit the hit that mode button, and you and I will be talking on Fusion. And there, that's how simple it is. Yeah. It sounds better than D-Star 2, from what I hear. Not on a D-74, <laughs> There you go. Well, I know the, D, the I mean, D-Star is 6.25, and uh, the other one is 12.5, right? Yes. Yeah. D-Star, um, you know, I had a really good conversation not too long ago with Ray Novak from ICOM. And when the Japanese were putting together D-Star and ICOM got on board with with the whole D-Star project, uh, they wanted to be able to put everything into six kilohertz. And that was that was their goal. They wanted to put it all in and use half the bandwidth and, and, you know, and, and make it, make it a whole, you know, make it a whole, just a 12 kilohertz deal. Mm-hmm. And, and they did it, you know, but that's why, that's why it hasn't been updated. It doesn't use the same vocoder as a fusion radio or a DMR radio. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're actually fitting a whole lot more information into that packet. Right. But the D74 sounds better than any other D-Star radio, huh? Absolutely. It, it really does. It's, uh, and, and, and it's, what, it's what Kenwood does. I mean, they're an audio company first. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, radios are kind of a, that's a secondary kind of a thing for them where, you know, ICOM is a radio company and their whole deal is building radios for enterprise, for ham radio, for Kenwood. Their radio section is a very small section. Their audio section, that's the main thing, you know, Kenwood, Kenwood audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to work in, Allied Radio Shack when I was a teenager. We had a lot of good Kenwood Kenwood gear, Kenwood speakers and stuff too. So I remember those days. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I'm 68 years old now. I'm older than you, I think. Yeah, you're a little bit older than me. (laughs) I'm 58. You're 58. I'm 58. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I've been impressed with uh, what I see out there uh, being produced in the, the video, YouTube uh, podcast, I guess podcast kind of encompasses all of them. Uh, I've kind of stuck to the audio as we've discussed earlier because of internet speed issues that I have, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's really easy to uh, listen to audio while you're driving. You can't watch video too much when you're driving, but a lot of guys they listen to podcasts while they're you know going back and forth from work or traveling or whatever. But there's yeah, a lot that's of true. I was uh, I was listening to yesterday your yesterday's show. Um, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday's show uh, on the way uh, 
to my chiropractor appointment this morning. And that wasn't the best so, show. I mean, those weren't any interviews. That was just my news Sunday thing. But uh, we do a lot of interviews with people. In fact, the uh, the day uh, last night, I interviewed a uh, a guy who is a also a cop. He's a sergeant, and he spends a lot of time helping kids in the school. He's got a, a, a STEM program. They've got a school club, and I had him call up one of uh, his young students who's 11 years old in an extra class so we had a three-way going you might find that very interesting but i love the yeah, interviews and i think they i learn something every time i talk to somebody and everybody has a story i don't care what what they say yeah i you know what and that's true everybody does have a story and that's what i love about this about ham radio is it's so big it's such a in the in the big wide world, it's such a small little niche. Mm-hmm. But within this small little niche, it's so big. You can have people that you know all they like to do is build things, and they're they're experimenters and builders, mm-hmm. and that's great. You've got guys that are in it for MCOM, and that's fantastic. They don't want to do anything else. The contesters, the people that are into into digital radio um there's uh, just a ton of things and to me it's it's all about radio it's all about that that communication and the connection mm-hmm. and uh and you know i one of my biggest things that i rail on are these guys that, that say well that's not ham radio yeah this isn't ham radio you know, just because they they don't like it doesn't mean it's not ham radio. Uh, I get this. I've I've heard this a ton of times, especially with D Star and now DMR and, and Fusion also. But you know, oh, that's not ham radio, but it is, and mm-hmm. it's and it's using available and new technology, and if we just cut it all off at, you know, it's got to be RF only. We're missing all of the technology that's coming down the pike in the future. And that's not the spirit of ham radio. Right. Well, you can take it out another ring uh, out into the Zello world or TeamSpeak or Peanut or, as I was talking to you this morning, I was using an Android phone, an old one, running DV Switch Mobile, and I can talk on all those different digital modes, DMR, D-Star, Fusion, P25, NXDN, but it's not using a radio or a hotspot, really. It's just uh, connecting to a server, and uh, the server handles all the transcoding with uh, software and hardware. A little thumb DV in a Raspberry Pi does the D-Star transcoding. So uh, there's a lot you can do that really gets outside of the typical radio realm. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, I, I, and I haven't used many, if any, of those devices or, or those programs. What stops somebody who's not a ham from getting on uh, Peanut and going on to a, <clears throat> a D-Star reflector? I'm glad you asked that because that's a question a lot of people are, are wondering about. Anytime you run one of those channels on uh, either Zello or TeamSpeak or, or uh, any kind of a server thing, you give p- permission for people to talk on those things. You, you have a, a structure for talk rights, privileges. Uh, you pick a channel. You say, okay, this is going to be... Uh, connected to an actual repeater or an HF rig. I often do that with Discord, which is just a gaming platform. I'll uh, use that on my Mac, connect it to my ICOM 746 Pro using my uh, my connection here is a SignalLink USB. And uh, anybody that comes into it can listen. If they want to talk, they have to prove to me that they're a licensed amateur, and then I use their account and give them talk privileges as a technician. I could have like three channels in there, one for general, one for extra, one for technician. And depending on where I'm at in the band, those people with those 
licenses will be able to talk in that particular channel. And of course I have them verify that by sending me an email from the email address that I can find on their QRZ page. So it's just a matter of just validating that they are who they say they are. No different than Echolink or some others that you would send in maybe a copy of your license or they verify them um, multiple ways. But without that proof, they have no talk rights. So there's no way anybody without a license can transmit on that channel. But mm -hmm. you, you talk about DMR or some of these others, maybe even Fusion. On DMR, anybody can program a radio with somebody's DMR ID and not be a licensed ham. That is actually more open to abuse, I think. Oh, well, yeah, it, it is. But, you know, the uh, the naysayers will say, well, that's the same thing. You know, I mean, it's not ham radio, right. it's void. Right. And, and I, I disagree. I, you know, we don't know where the, and I'm not saying the Internet, but the technology of today is kind of the infancy of the technology in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, you know, our technology was so limited, single sideband was state-of-the-art. Mm -hmm. And it really, you know, and two-meter repeaters were, were extremely popular. Um, 50 years ago, it was, you know, it, it, sideband was it. And, well, before that, it was AM, know, and when sideband came, the AMers were complaining, well, that's not real radio. <laughs> That's not yeah. That's not ham radio. <laughs> right. And before AM, the CW ops said the same thing. Well, that talking on the radio—that's not real ham radio. Mm -hmm. it, it, and it's you know you're always going to have the people that say, well, I had to walk, I had to do it this way, so you have to do it this way too. You're not a real, you're not a real ham radio operator. Right. And I think that's a bunch of. Uh, it, it's a bunch of crap. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know what? We are supposed to be the hobby and the people who are embracing new technology and incorporating new new and available technology into our craft. Right. And, and to ignore 90% of what's going on with today's technology is doing... Uh, doing the whole community a disservice. Right, right. Now, are you involved in any activities where you are mentoring or elbering young people? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, not directly. I, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like I do, uh, I do the elbering, and I don't like that word. I yeah. the mentoring. Yeah. Uh, as a doing my doing my videos, right? Because I'm like I said, I'm not a smart guy. I'm not one well. Of I don't believe that super genius guys. No, I'm a, I'm a regular. I'm just a regular guy sitting in my shack, you know, and and I happen to make some videos. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like you know one of these super technical guys that can explain everything that's on the test and get people ready to ready to test. I know a little bits about a lot of things, but not a lot about everything. <laughs> sure. Well, so, I heard, I heard you this morning when we stumbled across each other on 30 Charlie on D star, Eric was out there and you're asking Eric questions and, and Eric knows a lot. I know he's, uh, he's been doing this, his YouTube channel for a long time, and I love watching his stuff too. And Jason Johnston has uh, been doing an awful lot on his. Uh -huh. He's he's been focusing more on the DMR side, but uh, it's pretty helpful for the newcomers coming in nowadays to have all these these uh, social media tools to learn about all the aspects of ham radio. Back in the day, I got my license over 50 years ago. I never heard of it before until my electronics instructor introduced us to it and encouraged us to get our novice ticket and we had a club station and stuff and everything we learned had to be by book or just talking to somebody else but now it's so easy for oh, yeah. young people to to learn about this stuff 
Well, and everybody, almost everybody is learning about what they need to do, whether it's how to cook a turkey um, for Thanksgiving or how to get, you know, how to fix your car, how to uh, get on ham radio. Everything is on YouTube. And, yeah. and that's what I love about that platform and what I love about, you know, what guys like, like Eric and, and Jason and, and, and uh, Hosh Nasi are doing, we're bringing this, you know, this mysterious world of, of science and technology and we're boiling it down into little, into little bite-sized pieces that, that the average person can just go on YouTube and learn about something and maybe get interested in the hobby because if we don't get more people interested, the hobby's going to die. Yeah. Well, especially with young people nowadays, they look at us like, what do I need that for? I got a phone. I can do everything on my phone. Yeah. And that is, you know, and that's a huge problem. And when we as a, as a ham radio community don't embrace the new technology and incorporate it, because when we do incorporate it and, and you've got, you know, part iPhone, part ham radio, and it's all working together doing something, now the kids automatically, they relate to it because now it becomes instead of I'm putting down the phone and picking up the radio, it's I've got the radio in one hand, the phone in the other hand, and they're both working together to do something that I want to do. Yep, and I always say that where kids are hanging out in social media is a dangerous place because people create fake profiles. You have no idea who you're talking to. In ham radio, they can look you up and see where you live. So that's why I always encourage young people to get into ham radio. We're a known community. Yeah, that, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. But, you know, when you're talking to somebody on fm you're talking over you know fusion d star dmr or sideband for that matter you could tell just immediately by somebody's voice if you're if you're a kid you could tell who's a kid who's a who's a man who's a woman um who's an old man who's a <laughs> you know who's a young man you could really tell by the voice yeah, sort of. So, <laughs> I've I've guessed quite inaccurately in the past, thinking somebody was very young when they're actually very old. Like me, I don't have a great radio voice, I don't think. I, I have many friends that have uh, jobs in radio, and they've got those deep, resonant, melodious tones, you know. Uh, I, yeah. I, I never thought I would ever be uh, a podcaster, because my voice has always been a little bit higher than maybe the average guy. And, uh, but... I guess it's, uh, it's working out because a lot of people are following and they enjoy what I'm doing. And speaking of the difference maybe between YouTube and, and just audio, I don't see too many YouTubers interviewing people. It's usually done on radio. The YouTube is relegated to more, uh, let's, let's show you this uh, aspect of ham radio. Let's show you this particular gear, piece of kit, as they say in the UK, and just educate us on all the features that a radio might have. But I don't see too many interviews. Have you ever done many? I have done a considerable amount of interviews. Really? And it, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a, but it's a tricky kind of a thing. You have to, you know, it's easy to do interviews on Skype or something, um, especially if they're pre-recorded. Um, Josh uh, from Ham Radio Crash Course, he regularly has people on his show and they're coming in by way of, of uh, Skype or zoom. And, and he's got it, you know, he's got it kind of down to a science of how to get them on there. I will do the interviews if I can normally, if I can sit down with somebody in person mm -hmm. and it's, it's a bigger deal because now you're talking oh, about yeah. multiple cameras you're talking about different camera angles. You're talking about syncing up, you know, two or three cameras plus external sound. And you're doing all this stuff in post-production. 
I enjoy the editing portion of building a video as much as I enjoy shooting it. Right. Probably even more because that's really where I get creative. Yeah. And and that's where my show really starts to come together is when I'm putting it together after all the after all the, the camera work is done. Right. And I know you care about quality video, so maybe doing an interview on Skype is not gonna be satisfactory. I don't think you get the best video you know, quality. I, I just yeah, I just put out a uh an interview that I did on, on Skype on my last video, but it was more of a news story. And it was a guy that's 200 miles away. He's an attorney and it, it, it was a, a relevant news story. So I kind of had to make do with what I, what I could do. And I don't mind doing that at all. When the circumstances dictate, you got to do that. Yeah. But really, Video lends itself to doing so much more than sitting and interviewing somebody. Like you're interviewing me right now. You don't need the video to show two talking heads. Right, right. This is a perfect medium for what you're doing. Yeah, and it's really easy to edit. You know, it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that that think that that YouTubers are getting rich. They're doing, you know, I've got the, I get these comments. Well, you'll do anything for clicks, yeah. which equals money. Yeah. And you're getting big dollars for this. And, and, you know, if I could, if I could show people the paychecks that I get, they would be like, you do that amount of work right. for that kind of money. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, thirty hours a week to do one video, and you get what, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks? Yeah, if that. Yeah, if that's that. that's crazy. Yeah. No, we do it I because mean, we I love what we do. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I. Uh, you know, I originally started the the video making or the YouTube thing to learn filmmaking and to kind of hone a craft in right. that. Right. I kept doing it. Because I love the people and I love helping new guys. Yeah. My focus changed. My method of, of it hasn't. And my philosophy of it hasn't. I still want to, you know, I want to talk. I want to talk like a regular guy. Yeah. I don't want to become, I, I, I don't want to try to become in something I'm not. Right. And I don't, and, and I don't want to, preach to i don't want to preach down to people right i want to talk to them like i'm talking to you right now right yep and i can sense that about you you seem like a very humble very real guy what you see is what you get yeah that's it and uh just, like i said i'm just another guy sitting in my shack yep I'm doing a presentation at uh, the Bella Vista Amateur Radio Club this next month, and my theme is Enjoying Amateur Radio with Purpose. That's what you and I do. Yep. You know? Yes. And it does yeah. take time away it, from our actual enjoyment of the hobby sometimes, too, I have to admit. Oh, it does. It does. Because, you know, I could be, I could be working a contest or I could be you know, involved, more involved in the, in my local club or doing something else with the radios, but I'm busy making the videos. Right. And I've, and, you know, and, and people don't understand. It's also tough to come up with an idea, a fresh idea every week or in your case, every day. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't imagine trying to come up with a, uh, with a, fresh video every single day well it does take some time my wife says i spend many many hours doing this but i enjoy every minute of it and for me it's going out there making a contact on a satellite sending an email saying hey thanks for this contact would you like to be my guest and then learning more new stuff from a conversation just like we're having today and so i come away every time like man that was fun that was rich. I learned this now, and I can get into this uh, side of ham radio that I've never done before. That's why I'm into satellites. I uh, interviewed a guy down in Texas, 
And uh, mm-hmm. in that interview, it came up that he was passionate about satellites. And you know, I said, you know, that just piques my curiosity. I've been a ham for 50 years and have never considered it. And a week later, I started getting into it. And now I'm deep and I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. See, now, I, you know, it's funny because I would like to get deeper into satellites. I would like to explore it more. And I probably will. But like you said, I, you know, you get so busy, you get so wrapped up in building the videos and, mm-hmm. or, or in your case, the podcast, that it takes the time away from actually diving into the hobby itself. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, this yeah. has sure been a fun conversation. I'm so glad you took the time to uh, sit with us here today, Bob, and appreciate all that you do with your videos. Again, thanks for the video on the D74. I'll have mine in two days. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, and, and thanks for having me. This has been this has been a lot of fun. I well, I consider you a friend and a brother in arms here in the uh, media side of ham radio and getting the word out. So thanks for all you do. Okay. Hey, thank you. We'll talk we'll to you talk on D. To you later. We'll catch you on D Star, my okay, yeah. uh, D74 we'll on Wednesday. On <laughs> Beautiful. All Can't right. Wait. All right. Bye bye. God bless. Bye bye. Hi, this is Extra Class Amateur Radio Operator, K5DCC. I just upgraded to my Extra Class last year. You know how I did it? I used HamTest Online. Did you know that HamTest Online is the top-rated study program on eham.net? 97% of reviewers gave them 5 stars. They have more 5-star user reviews than all other study methods combined. And success is guaranteed. If you fail the amateur radio license exam, they will refund your subscription. It's a no-brainer. You pass the exam or get a full refund. Try it for yourself at hamtestonline.com. Today's daily devotional is entitled, Costly Consequences. Numbers 20.12 reads, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. When we read God's word, we'll encounter many instances in which God uh, allows different levels of consequences for a person's actions or choices. In this instance, Moses suffered a costly consequence for his lack of faith. One of the greatest sins we can commit is that of unbelief. Sadly, far too many of us do not see unbelief as a sin that is as bad as murder, stealing, lying, or committing adultery. Yet, like some of our more overlooked sins, such as gossip and pride, God sees them as sins that bear severe consequences if not repented of and confessed. Gossip and pride bring about division, which God hates. We know this from Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Unbelief, in many instances, has yielded very costly consequences for many. Consequences that still affect all of us today. In the garden, the consequences of sin and death entered into the world, not just because of disobedience. Unbelief also played a part in man's fall. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 tells us, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verses 4 and 5 also tell us, now the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, Satan created doubt and unbelief in Eve's mind. What were the consequences for this unbelief? Well, we're living them today. Sarah encouraged Abraham to have a child with Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. Their actions got ahead of God's plan because of unbelief, which we see existed Uh, from the encounter that we see in Genesis chapter 18, verses 12 through 15. These verses tell us, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being so old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, 
No, but you did laugh. And today, we still feel the consequences of Sarah's unbelief as the descendants of Ishmael and Isaac are still fighting over the land promised to Israel. In this case, unbelief cost Moses and Aaron the privilege of entering the promised land as God promised. So why was this case of unbelief rewarded with such a high-priced consequence? In Exodus chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, God instructed Moses to strike the rock and he would bring forth water from it. In doing so, God was picturing Jesus' suffering and how he was going to provide us living water. The second time that God is providing water for Israel from the rock, the instructions were to speak to the rock by faith and receive the water. This is a picture of how we would receive life eternal by calling upon Christ by faith and receiving eternal life and living water, the Holy Spirit who indwells us and seals us. When Moses failed to believe God and chose his own way of bringing forth the water from the rock, he pictured the unbeliever who rejects God's plan of receiving living water, choosing instead to quote-unquote work and earn their salvation, by, thereby forfeiting eternal life as God has prescribed only one way of salvation. We know from John 14, 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8 describe the same thing as... Uh, as, as one who does not believe, makes a superficial profession of faith, crucifies Christ again by their unbelief in their mind and heart, doing those things which put the name of Jesus to shame and cause others to blaspheme. And sadly, there are many today who profess to know Jesus but are still trying to earn salvation by, by performing religious rituals and, and keeping religious traditions created by men. Just like Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land, but see it from afar, the cost for unbelief and what Jesus did will be far more costly for those who fail to put their trust in God's plan for salvation, which is Christ alone. As born-again believers, we have eternal life, but our lives can be one of suffering caused by our own lack of wisdom and restraint if we do not stop and consider the actions that stem from a moment of unbelief. Isaiah spoke it best when he said to when he said this to Israel in Isaiah 59:2, "But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear." See, our salvation may have been sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit in Christ, but our sins, especially that of unbelief, can cause us to put a wedge in our relationship with the Lord and hinder our prayers. As we know from Hebrews 11:6. And today, God extends an invitation to you to accept His free gift of salvation. Will you accept it? Anyone who calls on Jesus by faith and repentance, confessing your sins, will receive eternal life. Do not put off calling on Him and receive Him and His free gift of salvation today. Thank you for listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. We invite you to join our Mighty Network's amateur radio community at members.digicomcafe.com.